Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Destra. Brooke and I have our favorite Monday guest, Taryn Hatcher, who is rocking her old-school Flyers sweatshirt. Flyers fans, you will love this sweatshirt that Taryn is rocking. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. So we are ready to talk Flyers hockey. We are ready to rock here. And some big news across um, Flyers world recently has been the the re-signing of Philip Myers to his three-year contract. Very promising defenseman that the organization is very high on. Taryn Hatcher had the pleasure of uh, having an interview with Phil recently and uh, got into a number of topics regarding next season and Philip Myers' future. Taryn, it sounded like Philip Myers was pretty heartbroken about not making the team out of camp last year, and it just seemed like that really fueled his fire. What did you get out of the interview with Phil? Well, I think that's that's exactly it, Jordan, is that – I mean, we saw him take a massive leap this year. He was somebody who was brought in. He was in this trifecta of Haig, Ghost, and himself, one of whom was always getting healthy scratch. And there was a lot, there was a lot going on there as well because it, it was Phil trying to make a step. And it was also the team trying to get Ghost back to where they hoped he could be. And then you had Robert Haig, who's just a solid kind of fairly consistent guy night in, night out. And that's a difficult spot to be in as a, as a young kid who's really trying to, you know, uh, kind of pay his dues and, and really establish himself as a guy who's a regular part of the team. He went from that to being in a top four D pair within a span of like months. But few people kind of remember to start the season, he didn't make the big club right out of camp. We were trying to remember because it feels at this point, like it's about a million years ago. I was trying to remember the Europe trip and who was there and who wasn't. Cause there were some people that just traveled as healthy scratches, you know, in case anything happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I don't fully remember Phil being there. Like, I think I would have remembered if he was there. And I sit there and think about a guy who the year before I had had time up and time down and everybody had talked to him about, you know, your ceiling's really high, but sometimes your mistakes are really glaring and, you know, you kind of got to clean your game up a little bit. And I think Phil really took that to heart. And then when right out of camp, he didn't make the big 
club again. I think it, it really, to him, was just a driving force behind the improvement in his game. The other thing, though, that also I think now when we watch Phil, sometimes people forget about was this kid went undrafted. You know, he is a player who every single uh, step of the way has kind of had to exceed expectations and, and earn his place. And then, you know, you, you see him now and he's signed for, what, three years, 6.75 million, I think was the, the total number there. And, you know, it's, you can still see when you're talking to him, some of it is still sinking in. I, I think he's confident in where he is at in the team and you talk to him and he's very level-headed. It's I'm on the same workout schedule and preparation schedule I was on last off season and I'm taking it day by day. And yeah, my confidence is a lot higher, but like nothing really changes other than I know that I belong. And it's, it's sort of nice because I think there's a certain humility and a certain kind of, you know, not to go back to the Sixers controversy, but there's a kind of like blue collar work ethic to this kid that he just appreciates that he gets the opportunity to work hard. And so he's made the most of it. And all you can say is kudos to him. And you hope that if he keeps on the trajectory that he's been on so far in his career, he could be a phenomenal gold, a uh, phenomenal goaltender, a phenomenal uh, defenseman for the Flyers for years to come. Yeah, it was funny singing in his interview. You can tell he's just still a kid in many ways. He's only 23 years old. Um, he turns uh, 24 in uh, January. And um, you forget, yeah, he was an undrafted kid who was making $700,000 last year on his entry-level contract. So, like, this is a big thing for him. His first contract, um, $2.55 a year, and the Flyers obviously very high on his upside. Let's hear what he had to say to Taryn Hatcher about next season, Mike Yo, and many other things Flyers-wise. It, it seemed like you were a permanent fixture on this team, at least for this season. Was there ever a time where you really felt like, I'm locked in and I'm not going anywhere? I hadn't really looked at it that way. Um, you know, at the start of the season, I was um, in and out of the lineup a lot. Um, you know, I was getting scratchier in there. And uh, after Christmas, when I got moved into the top four, I guess, uh, you know, I saw that the coach trust me a little bit more and that, you know, just helped me with my confidence and just allowed me to play my game a little bit and not overthink everything, I guess. And um, uh, I think that was... Uh, probably the best thing for me this year just to you know kind of relax and make plays out there was there anything that was said to you or any kind of like mental approach that you took because as you mentioned especially with you Hague and Ghost there was quite a bit of kind of a, a trifecta where two of you would be in one of you would be out and as a guy especially who's trying to stay up with the big club as you mentioned how did you approach that situation and were able to power power through and then eventually end up on a on a top four pairing yeah, um, like I said earlier, I was just trying to take it one day at a time, um, not tr not trying to get too wrapped up in, in the media and stuff like that. You know, you you obviously read stuff about it, that it's a trifecta on me, Ghost and Hag, and, um, you know, they're, they're both great guys, and, you know, the reality is we're just competing for jobs. But, um, you know, like I said, I've just, I was just trying to work as hard as I could and, you know, just take it one day at a time not put too much stress on, on myself, not put too much pressure and um, just, just roll with it like that, I guess. Yeah. I apologize on behalf of the media who do that to you. Uh, uh, Mike Yo coming in, it seems like, I mean, just from our media experience, he just seems like such a, a fun, cool guy to have in the room. What kind of impact has he had in terms of coaching defensively? 
huge. Um, you know, we do a lot of video. He's kind of a laid back guy. He's, you know, when, when it's time for business, it's time for business, but you know, he's, uh, easy to talk to. Um, you know, we, we work together a lot after practice, do some extra stuff. And, um, I think all of that stuff combined just goes a long way. And, um, you know, he's big on the little things and, um, you know, the little details. So it's, uh, you know, all those things make him a great coach. And, you know, he's a, he's a really, really good coach. Great to hear from Philip Myers. And it's funny. I remember what Taryn, what Taryn said, what seems like it was forever ago was the prospects game up in Lehigh Valley before the 2019-20 season. And there was a buzz generating about Philip Myers and that he was, the team was bullish on his upside and that he was primed to make the team out of camp. And I remember when they announced his name up in Lehigh, he got this very loud applause from Phantoms fans. As Brooke knows, they really get close to their players. It's a very tight-knit community that uh, supports their players. And they really grown to like Philip Myers. And I think there was a sense in the building that this was the last time they were going to see him play in Lehigh Valley because everyone thought this kid was primed for the NHL, for the Flyers. Scott Gordon, after that game, even said, he looks like an NHL player to me. What happens? As Taryn mentioned, he gets sent back. But, Brooke, I think it's safe to say now he's here to stay. He's here to stay in Philadelphia. And maybe that was a good thing for him. Sometimes it's good just to be knocked down a peg and to know, hey, more work has to be done. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that you mentioned the prospects game because I always look forward to that. Hmm. And I remember watching Myers in that game and thinking there's one other player that I remember in recent years that I was like, they do not belong in Lehigh Valley. And that was Oscar Lindblom mm-hmm. the previous season. So watching, it almost seemed unfair to play Phil for the opposing team because it was like, he's not supposed to be in the AHL. And for those unfortunate circumstances that he did have to start his season there, like Taryn mentioned before, it makes him appreciate being up here more he even though he has the contract and everything he's still trying to process what's going on he's not like I'm still not a lock I still don't definitely have a roster spot and I think that that's a huge element to why this team is currently functioning like a well-oiled machine because they know that they can continuously keep getting better, keep improving their games. And the next game is not guaranteed for anyone. So it makes him want to work harder and maintain that position every single game. And it's, it's really been a treat to watch him kind of develop and, you know, now has the possibility to lock down a, a top four defensive spot within just one year of not even being on the team. So, or starting the season with the team, I should say. Sure. So lots of great things to see. And, you know, it's, he's just at the start of his career. And to think that he already has this much talent, this much stabilized in his game and so much grounding who knows when he's going to take off? And it seems like if Elaine Vigneault trusts him as much as it sounds like they do, it seems like they have a really mutual respect for one another. Um, it could be as soon as the season when he just kind of elevates his game to that next level. And that's just super exciting to even think about right now. Yeah, it's funny to see him go into the playoffs 
plays all 16 games. Uh, and you forget that he only had 71 games uh, under his belt, but went in there and he looked like an NHL player. He looked like a guy poised and primed for the NHL playoffs, for big moments in tough situations. Uh, and I think that should excite people. And it's funny, we, we also forget that Farabee was also sent to Lehigh Valley at the start of last season. And maybe, you know, both those kids, Philip Myers and Joel Farabee, went to Lehigh Valley and they started very loudly. They got down there and you could sense there was a motivation of, okay, a little bit more work to do before we get to that next level. Let's go down there. Uh, and I think the Flyers made the right calls there on both those kids. They went down there, proved themselves, came back, uh, and then became contributing factors in the playoffs. Tis the season to thrill at the Nissan year-end sales event. Get in, then get out, and experience the most riveting ride of the year in a brand new Nissan. These savings on Nissan's lineup are sure to raise your pulse. So Taryn, Philip Myers talked to you about the healthy competition, how him and Robert Hag and Shane Gossespierre, they're all tight. It's a tight-knit locker room, but there was really good healthy competition last year. And I think that made a lot of the players better. I think it certainly fueled Robert Hag. Philip Myers certainly raised uh, his bar. And I think it motivated Shane Gossespierre to get healthy and get back in the mix come playoff time. So we know there's going to be more healthy competition once again in 2020-21. For some fun, we know we're a long ways away from game one of the season. But we're always going to talk lineups. We like to predict the defensive pairs. Taryn, if you had to say who was maybe the odd man out for you right now in that defensive group, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Get mean. Get mean. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I don't you know. Always make don't endorse bullying, questions Jordan. Where I'm like, I don't have an answer, but um, – Maybe how you could see it playing out. Yeah. Well, so the thing that's interesting to me, right, we talk about Phil. You know, when Phil and Travis really started to click together, the thing that was staggering about that – defensive combination was the, the way the two of them skate like, like they can cover an insane amount of ground it, it opens a lot of things up in a lot of ways it allows one of them to get involved in an offense in a way where you know the other one can back check and, and do so quickly it opens a ton of things up so you for me of course Elaine Vigneault I'm sure could care less about my opinion but for me I sit there and I go like I really like them together I think I think realistically, Travis was huge, huge in Phil's development. I mean, massive in Phil's development because it was when the two of them started playing together that Phil became the player who, you know, shoots a puck like a laser in the postseason and gets goals. Like that, that confidence came from playing alongside Travis. And I think it gave him a certain sense of stability. I know just being in the lineup and being in a, in a, one of the top two defensive pairings gives you a sense of confidence and stability. But I think Travis had a big part to do with that. The same way I think Matt Niskanen helped Ivan Rob take the next step. I also don't think Travis Sanheim plays the way Matt Niskanen played. So, like, I wonder about – I want a player that, that complements Ivan Provorov the way Matt Niskanen did, which I know is, you know, like, impossible to – I mean, Chuck Fletcher said it himself – He's, he's kind of irreplaceable both in the dressing room and on the ice, but I like, I like Phil and Travis together. And then there's a the question of where does Eric Gustafson fit in? I don't know. I really don't have an answer. I get asked this question. I was saying before the podcast, I get asked this question more than maybe any other question right now. And 
I, I don't, I genuinely do not have an answer. I'm so intrigued to see what they do because logically speaking, it also probably makes the most sense to move Travis up with Ivan and then who compliments Phil. I don't really know. Just, yeah. I, I think ghost ends up kind of being my odd guy out. I don't, I don't know where he fits. I also, we saw kind of flashes of him coming back with a little bit of confidence, but I do wonder what that, that healthy competition between the three of them did because ghost kind of eventually said once his knee was all healthy, it, it was mental. It was a matter of confidence. And um, that's tough. I mean, that it is, it's tough, especially when you see the flyers committing to three years with Phil and, probably giving him the most money that he could really leverage against where he was at being an undrafted guy and, you know, a guy who'd bounced up and down prior to this year. I, I don't know. Ghost kind of, I mean, if I don't, I hate to say mean things like I don't, I feel bad because Ghost is always <laughs> on the, on the trading block. He's, you know, he's always the guy where you're, you're sitting there. You're like, I just want him to get there. Yeah. But if Ghost doesn't get there, he, he is the odd man out. And you have um, like Mark Friedman who came up and played well when he was up as well. So I, I am at a loss. I have no idea. I have no idea what they're going to do. No, long story long. It's George, what do you think? <laughs> Let me put you on the hot seat because right. you get to ask the questions and then you never have to give any answers. So who is the odd man out for you, Jordan? I don't like when you're mean. Um, no. <laughs> so you don't like me at all? All right, I'll get into my point. I, I'll, I'll say the opposite. I'll say I really like Robert Haig, and I really think him and just, Justin Braun make up a, a really ideal third pair of two guys that, I'm going to say the cliches, but keep it simple, know what to do when the puck gets into the defensive end. They kill plays, and they just are very simple third pair guys. I think it's perfect. But – I think the Flyers just have so much invested in the Shane Gossett spare that they're going to do everything to get his confidence going early. And I think to get his confidence going early, he will get in the lineup. They're going to put him back in there and say, hey, clean slate, new year, Shane, you are healthy. Go out, the, go out there and show us Shane Gossett spare. And what Is I that said not what they've was, done for the past two years, though? Yep. In a way, Ooh. but he got into – not into the doghouse, but he got into a spot where he was just fighting for his role. And once they gave opportunities to Robert Haig and Philip well, Myers. Whose fault is that? What's that? I said, well, whose fault is that? <laughs> well, part of it's unfortunate for Shane Gossesper that he, he dealt with some serious health issues to his knees, and that, that's his game. His game is mobility, it's confidence on his legs, and he didn't have his legs really. Um, he didn't have him at 100%. I think now the slate is totally clean. He is what we expect and assuming to be healthy, his leg, both his knees have been worked on. And I think it's a clean slate. It's just, Hey, get in there and be yourself, go play. And I think they're going to try to get him going early, get his confidence going and see if he can build on that. I don't think sitting him from the start is going to do anything. And in the beginning of the season, you have a little more time to kind of experiment, try things, you know, see how it goes. I think they know what they have in Robert Haig and they can, I love Robert Haig. I think he's a very good steady guy but they can kind of put him to the side and say, hey, we're, we're going to see what we got in Shane first. Be ready. And when you come in, we know what you're going to give us. So for me, Robert Hay will be my guy out. What do you guys think? Brooke, I want to hear your take as well. I don't, I don't think Taryn's too happy with me right now. Right now. I'm not well, mad about it, but I, I also <laughs> sit there sometimes and I'm like, okay, this may be – sorry, Brooke. I don't mean to like – You're step good. Up. No. 
You're good. The go other for it. thing is sometimes I sit there and I go, if Robert Haig is playing well, and maybe Shane comes back and Shane has some confidence, at what point do you scratch Justin Braun? <laughs> Thank you. It's the other question. And I know he, he, he had stretches where you're like, oh, he's skating so much better than I thought he was going to when, you know, we initially picked him up. Or, you know, he'd have good games and a great guy, great, great in the dressing room, tons of NHL experience. But at what point are you like, we're, we're a team that's incredibly talented and young on the blue line. Let's commit to being incredibly talented and young on the blue line. Sorry, Brooke, go. <laughs> no, you're good. So I'm going to touch on a few different points, but I think one of the biggest – low-key I guess narratives moving into the season is how long of a leash does Shane Goss's bear have right now because like Taryn said we feel like the past two seasons and yes he wasn't 100 percent healthy obviously that wasn't going that wasn't helping him in any way but I feel like since we saw that incredible season from him the 65 right 65 point season just a few yeah. years ago you had, you had a slump. Yeah. yeah we, he had a slumper and we were like, all right, you know, sometimes that happens after a really great season. It's really hard to match up to that kind of talent for consecutive years. So we were like, okay, let's push it on the next season. Next season rolls around and he's still struggling. Yes, he had to deal with injury, but it was like, okay, he's still not the ghost that everybody was expecting to be back. And then that happened again. So it was like, Yes, he has the opportunity to come in now that he's healthy and it is a mental aspect for his game to be like, okay, you know, sure, you can, you can start in the lineup for the start of the season. You have X amount of games to prove that you rightfully have this spot because there are other people. And listen, I'm not going to knock Robert Hag right now. I think that, like you guys said, he's a very – He's a sturdy player. He's a solid player. He does what he needs to. He's not flashy. If Robert Hag is having a stronger game, it's not, it's not difficult to be better <laughs> than Robert Hag. I, I don't know how to say that in a, in a non – it's not mean. It's just based off of, like, different contributions for the game. Sure. That's more on – lack of development for Shane Gosh's bear than it is being against Robert Hag's game. Um, now, listen, I am all for having that top Shane. If we can get Shane Gosh's bear back to his peak and have him as a third pair defenseman, the flyers are locked in. They're good. Their blue line is something that I think is going to be a huge topic of discussion this entire season across the NHL because of their youth, because of their speed, because of their talent. It gets to the point where if you have Hag, that's rolling. If you get Gosh Spare, that's rolling. Sit, Justin, Braun. And this was one, one of the only things last season that really got under my skin with Elaine Mignot is that he would not sit Justin Braun for anything, for anything. And I was like, even though he's a vet, even though he's done his time in the league, why would you keep putting him out here if he's clearly struggling, when there's clearly younger guys that could fill his position and try and earn that spot? So obviously we don't really know what's expected going into the season. I would not be mad, and I have said this on the podcast before, I would not have expected Justin Braun to sign if Matt Niskanen didn't retire. And I don't think that that 
implies that he deserves a free pass to make the roster just because Matt Niskan isn't here anymore. So I'll, I'll say this. I, I, I totally see what you guys are saying about Justin Braun. I just, I don't think there's any chance in the world that he's going to sit next season because I he's think not. He, and that's why yeah. I'm annoyed. Sure, and because they signed him for two years for a reason. One, obviously, Matt Niskanen, that was a huge factor in the re-signing Justin Braun was Matt Niskanen was retiring. And they got Braun to play some important minutes to really eat up penalty kill minutes. And everything they've said from general manager Chuck Fletcher to Lane Vigneault, uh, head coach of the Flyers, was they just love Braun's steadiness and how he kills plays and how he just battles and all of that. I will say, I thought Braun was very good from, like, Christmas to the rest of the year. I thought he was pretty steady. One of their better blue liners. But, but Jordan, they didn't call him Steady Justin. We had Steady Eddie. You yeah, know? True. That, wasn't, also, that wasn't really his Justin spot. Braun, the game, gets fa- the game seems like it gets, like, 0.5 times 0.5 faster each year. And Justin Braun will not be getting faster each year as, as he is – kind of, you know, on the other side of the mountain of his career. But just before we get off the Shane thing, the other thing that I will say is, so 2018-2019, I think people learned kind of more so retroactively that Shane was kind of dealing with nagging knee stuff that didn't fully get resolved, more so towards the end of or after the season. It was one of those things where he was like, I'm going to try to play through it as much as I can. The team let him do it. They thought he could. Clearly he was struggling. People came down on him. They learned afterwards that his knee was needed to be cleaned up. Last year he needed twice as many cleanups. And I think now, given just how long this offseason is, and you've had the chance at this point to fully rehab, fully go through a physical therapy kind of stint, a bridge program back into working out and playing and prepare to play, I think there's actually so like uh, all the other past years aside, just with the injury thing, I think there's a ton of pressure just in that sense is you, you really, by all the weirdness of 2020 have been given the opportunity to get more months to get healthy without having to actually play than anyone really has before, maybe besides in a lockout season. So it's kind of time to show what you got is that's how it feels. That also does, like Jordan was kind of saying, that does make me think that that he may get a few more opportunities at times to try to show how he's doing. But we'll see. I mean, Elaine Vino's one of those guys who's proven, like, you, you think there's rules to how this goes. There, the rule is there are no rules. I'm going to do what works. <laughs> and yeah. so he, he may. And I think – Exactly what you said. I, I don't think Justin Braun is going to sit. I, I don't in any world really imagine him being healthy scratched in a, like a trifecta of healthy scratches. But I do wonder, you know, if all goes well and, and Robert Haig is playing like Robert Haig and Ghost is playing the way that Ghost could at his best. And obviously, you know, Phil Myers last year in his way into a top two D pair. Um, like, when does that stop making sense? Yeah, and there was so much talk about uh, the reason to let Justin Braun walk going into this offseason was, hey, the team's getting younger than the blue line. The team's getting younger. We got this youth coming. Like, let's, let's, let's focus on these kids. 
And then suddenly it became a real need to kind of bring him back because of Matt Niskanen. So again, healthy competition and we'll have to see how it plays out, but it's, it's a good problem to have. We've said that ad nauseum on this podcast, but it is a good problem to have. Yeah. And I guess my one other note in that is just, obviously there, nobody on this team is going to treat this condensed season like, like a fluke. There's not going to be an asterisk on the Stanley cup, whoever wins the cup this upcoming season. So because of the shortened season, the shortened amount of games, again, I bring on that whole leash topic. How many games are they going to have to be able to prove themselves with that kind of, you know, weight on their shoulders in that short amount of time? Because a five to 10 game stretch in normal seasons may not be as significant as what we're going to have in 2020, 2021, even though all the games are going to be played in 2021. Um, so that's a big thing that I'm going to keep an eye on. Other thing that's tough too, is that the part of the issue with Shane has been is that it'll be, you know, I've never been, we have pre-broadcast meetings with coaches and they tell us stuff that's privileged, but I can say this without filter or without fail. It's not like they've ever said to us, we're giving Shane three games and if he flunks all three, he's the healthy scratch game for it. That's not how it goes, but it does seem like they're, they go, okay, we're, we're going to give them a, a stretch. Like we expect the first game back is going to be tough, especially since he's been battling injury. Second game should be more, more comfortable. Third game or so on and so forth. He should really be in full swing. And Shane will have like two duds and then a stellar game or a dud, a good game and a dud. And, and, and it's not really like he crashes and burns because he's a good player. He's, he's a super skilled player. I mean, he's skilled in ways that other players defensively never develop. The problem is that you can tell – I mean, that's how you know it's kind of a confidence thing with him at times now is that – or a health thing, quite frankly um, – is that he can still do those, like, mystifying things at times, and you go, wow, Shane's back, and then something else just goes wrong. And you're, you're sitting there going, okay, is his knee okay? Is his confidence okay? Is he getting, you know, reacquainted? But you kind of got to hope that Shane either – takes off running and, and can consistently string together even just solid performances or at, at least doesn't, doesn't have to deal with the up and down and up and down and up and down because it's tough on the coaching staff too. Like they want it. Everybody wants Shane to succeed. Like I want Shane to succeed. Flyers fans have made it clear. They want Shane to succeed. Like it's not like this is a particularly like coddling fan base and they, and they, there's <laughs> such a appreciation for Shane's abilities so it's pretty apparent what everybody wants, but it's just tough. And I think it's especially been tough because you know he's not really been at 100% physically, which, again, is why this year is going to be very telling because at this point – I mean, obviously there was the bubble, and that was – what? And that was September, so October, November, December. But basically, like, what, three months before the bubble and then – three months after the bubble, like really he should be as healthy as he's been since probably that 2017, 2018 season next year. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. Whenever our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So we will have to see how healthy Shane Gossespierre is. We expect him to be healthy. And um, when, he's at, when he's at his healthiest, uh, everyone knows the dynamic that he brings to the blue line. And I think that's what people outside the organization and people inside the organization really like about the Flyers is that 
what they have on the back end is exciting. From the young defenseman to the guy that we know is in net, that's exciting. That's going to be goal prevention and the puck going the other way. But do you guys feel like it's fair, and I'll start with Brooke, do you feel like it's fair for some people that maybe are tempering expectations about the defenseman group because of the loss of Matt Niskanen? Where are you guys on that side? Are you more optimistic about where the defensive group is going? Or are you concerned about next year because they lost a guy the caliber of Matt Niskanen? Um, I'm very excited okay. to watch the defensive side of this game this season because I think everybody knows, and like Vigneault had said, and Taryn touched on this, it's basically common sense to know that Matt Niskanen was not going to be replaced this offseason. So going into this year, everyone's under the impression that there is going to be things that they are going to need to pick up in different aspects of their games to kind of fill that void that Matt Niskanen left. Um, So on the aspect of me being optimistic, I think that it's going to be a season where you're going to start to see some of these younger guys take that leap and start to hold on to different responsibilities in terms of leadership, controlling the ice, kind of calming down some of the younger players. I know they're kind of all in the same age range right now, aside from um, Justin Braun, truthfully. Um, And I know Gosh Bear is kind of at the point now where he's kind of on the older side, which he's still in his 20s, which is hysterical to consider that that's old. But yeah. that's, you know, sports. He's my age. Be nice. 27. My age. I, I said in sports. In sports. <laughs> talked about my age on every podcast now. I that was, you brought it up, out. not me. You Brooks brought it up. No, um, but that's, that's what I mean in just the sense, like, I think, I really genuinely think that this is going to be a huge year for Ivan Provorov because he had the most time working alongside Matt Niskanen. So he developed traits, leadership responsibilities and things on that end. In addition to him growing even further in his production last season. So I think that normally, I mean, listen, if you asked me this question three, four seasons ago, I'd be like, I I don't even want to look at the blue line. What's a blue line? Can we change the color? I'm tired of talking about Flyers defense because that's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And even the fact that they've done this kind of overhaul in such a short amount of time and to see that all of these younger players are, they're young. They have so much time left growing and being a part of this team that the fact that they're already taking up about 80% of the blue line means that they have all the trust in the world from the coaches and they're going to go out and prove why they didn't, why they have their spots. And that ties back into the whole being appreciative of where you are and being a part of the roster, but never guaranteeing that you're going to see another game Mm -hmm. with the flyers. So it's, there's there's a lot at stake, but at the same time, it's it's a lot of these guys going into this season and being like, okay, we need to prove that the driving force isn't Matt Niskanen anymore. So some people are going to have to step up, take charge, and I think that this is a group that's going to be able to accomplish that. So I'm optimistic. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> Brooke, I love that. And I, I think there's going to be a – 
there's going to be some people, if the Flyers come out of the gates a little slow and their defense looks leaky and they're having goal prevention issues, there's going to be a crowd that's saying, well, they didn't replace Matt Niskanen, but like, well, what else is new? We get that conversation at the start every year. Two things, exactly. And two things to consider. One, when the Flyers got Meniskanen, they knew they were getting him for two years. Two years at the end of his deal. They got him for one. He retired. You gotta, you just got to live with that. Um, he would have been here for one more year and probably would have retired after that year, or the Flyers probably would have said, hey, appreciate everything, but we're ready to move forward without you. You're unrestricted free agent. Thank you for everything. Um, but the reality is he retired in a flat cap era, and – the Flyers really couldn't go out on the free agent market and replace this guy unless they got Alex Bertrangelo, and that wasn't going to happen. So they got to make the best of it. And um, I hope the Flyers – I hope Flyers fans realize it was just – it's difficult to replace Matt Niskanen. And like Brooks said, you really got to trust what you have within now and move forward with it. Taryn, what are your expectations for the defensive group? Are you very excited, or are you a little worried about what life could be like without Matt Niskanen? I'm excited, and it has nothing to do with the defensive group. It's it's because what Mike Yo has said this as the assistant coach who coaches the defensive players specifically, and Ian Laperriere has said this as the only guy who was existing from the previous regime. When you have a goaltender who is solid and instills confidence in your players, it changes everything for everyone. So Carter Hart having the year that he had last year, Brian Elliott coming back this year gives me enough hope to feel some sense of confidence that they'll be able to figure it out and that there will be there. I have no doubt that if there, that there will be games where the defense is leaky, especially if Elaine Vigneault does with the defenseman, what he did with the skaters last year, the forwards where he flopped them around until he figured out what works. So I have confidence that in those games, having a Carter Hart or a Brian Elliott, you will have a few games where they win you that game. I mean, Elaine Vino has said it time and time again, like there are nights where your goaltender just has to win you a game. It's bound to happen over the course of a very long NHL schedule. I get this year, this year's not as long. So you hope there's not that many games that that has to happen, but that alone gives me a little bit of faith in that they'll be able to figure it out and they'll be given every opportunity kind of that they can to figure it out. I'm still a little freaked out because it's like Matt Niskanen retiring was like jarring. I mean, I think we all can agree. And I like to give Flyers fans credits. I think of all the sports team fandoms in Philadelphia. I feel like Flyers fans are the the people who are most frequently actually reading the articles about their team and on the message boards and, you know, they're really invested. So I feel like people – there's still going to be games where you're like, damn, I wish Niskanen was still here. Like he would have, he would have helped so much tonight, but I think it's, it's very apparent that Matt Niskanen's don't exist all over the league. A few teams have them and the Flyers were one of them for one year. And we are thankful that that happened. Um, but yeah, I, I just have a lot of questions like where Gustafson fits in and, uh, how everything shakes out. Like, I'm just interested to see how the pairings shape up and, you know, what kind of physical fitness these guys have going into the season and um, how much time they have to find chemistry because it's not a typical preseason. There's a lot of questions. The good thing is, is that with the exception of Eric, everyone knows each other. Most of these guys have played next to each other. Um, I think very few of them have not been paired up, at least at some point in practices. So, um, 
you know, that's good because you don't have a ton of new. I mean, when you think about it last year, Niskanen was new. Justin Braun was new. Phil Myers was called up midway through. That's like one whole side of, of your defensive core that's entirely new to the team and they still made it work. So I have, I'm optimistic and I have faith and having Carter Hart and Brian Elliott helps, but I am very intrigued more. That's really the word I'm intrigued to see who fits together and how they play together. And if Ivan Provorov has somebody who wants to get more involved, like if Ivan Provorov is next to Travis Sanheim, Travis Sanheim likes to get involved offensively and he's fast. I mean, he can get up and in there and you know, that might mean that Ivan has to pull back where last year, Matt Niskanen was kind of the steady guy back and Ivan, Ivan got to get, got to get involved or maybe it plays well for both of them and they communicate really well. And, or maybe they don't end up getting paired together, like tons of questions, but if those are the questions, you're in a good spot. I mean, for years, like Brooke was saying, for years, it's like, oh, my God, I don't want to look at the blue line. What is our goaltender situation? Is he going to be healthy? Like, you know, so. You just never knew. Yeah. It was like a are... toss-up every single game. You were like, Pfft. yeah, these are you couldn't even construct thoughts going yeah. into games because it's like, you know what? Nothing's going to make sense anyways. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they were really, they were making dinner out of condiments. Like, they, they didn't have all the sustenance there. Now it's almost like you could have a, a feast of riches and that's a problem we're not used to. So I just hope that's the case. <laughs> yes. And, and like you said, good storylines, good, um, good questions to have and storylines I think are going to be really fun to talk about come as we get closer to the start of the season. We believe there's going to be training camp starting around the beginning of January and the season starting around mid January so, Broken Terran, we will have those storylines to talk about. And I have a feeling they're really going to ramp up once everything gets closer. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. But fun talking about the defenseman today. Fun talking about what they have in net. Taryn Hatcher, fun having you on as always. Thank you so much for joining us. Brooke Desher, thank you as always as well. And a special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.